0: going to look twice at you until i see the christ in you
1: welcome to our weekly conversations uh, such a blessing uh, this time has become such a blessing personally exploring things that are helpful uh, personal In at least in my journey, my spiritual journey, and helpful to keep my heart centered. And hearing from from uh, you, what is helpful for you, how this resonates with you. So thank you for participating and and making this possible. So this is our our third conversation uh, around this uh, idea of uh, four spiritual principles. Right, I remember, uh, taken from uh, Pastor uh, Dick Woodward. Uh, he has a book for spiritual secrets, and we have explored in previous uh, conversations the first one, the first secret or, or principle, as we call it: "I am not, but He is." Second principle: "I can't, but He can." And today we're going to talk about the third principle: "I don't want to, but He wants to." <laughs> Uh, I, the, the, even just the name makes me makes me laugh because uh oh that that speaks deep so, somewhere deep in me right there i can see myself saying i don't want to lord <laughs> but he wants to so that's going to be our conversation so in as we as we start let, let me let me tell you uh, how I keep seeing, I keep, you know, absorbing these and, and sort of chewing this idea. And I, I keep seeing the first principle, you know, I, I am not, but uh, he is, really is, is a great um, principle, a great, great, great uh, platform to consider identity, right? Not only my, my gifts or my, my weakness. This is not about me. I'm not the center. I am not the rule to measure This is God and God is actually the one who who calls my name. And when I say he he names me too. So I am what he says, I am. And that is uh, challenging. Second principle, we talk about uh, performance and purpose. What I can do, what I cannot do. All those I can't moments of life and how God used them. Uh, in my life and uses them uh, uh, and you will use them in my life to, to show me uh, a deeper intimacy with him. And this third principle focuses on desire, you know, what I want to and what I don't want to. Uh, And when we talk about desire, I I believe we're talking about something that is very deep and very profound in, in human beings. You know, it, it can go, in the best direction or it can go in a direction that is not so helpful. So let's explore a a bit that. What I will say too is it gets more complex. So this third principle touches on identity and touches on purpose. So don't see them as separated categories, but kind of building so let's say the first, your identity is the first formation block, right? And then what you can do comes out of your identity. So you have to consider your identity to, to see what you can do and you cannot do, right? And then you have to focus on your desire, but your desire is built on your identity and your purpose. And that's kind of the complex thing to consider in this. That is a, has been helpful for me. So let me start. I'm going to start, before going to to, to uh, context in, in the scripture, i like actually to, to tell you uh, about Pastor uh, Wood, Woodward's story, because I think that's a good beginning. When, when he talks about this principle, I think it's important to tell the context of, of uh, what he he is living through, or he lived through. He, he already passed. I think it was 2013. So uh, he quotes Dallas Willard in the book. And he quotes the, this, uh, this quote from Dallas Willard. In religious matters, nothing fails like success. So that gives you a little bit of, a, of, of where he's going. And, and his story in this, uh, at this point is, uh, you know, he, he is getting these principles as he's growing spiritually. He's a pastor. And there's a moment when he gets success. He becomes a a very successful pastor of of a megachurch that is growing and that is uh, keeping him really busy. And he is doing a lot, a lot of good work, really good work, right? Sharing uh, Christ's uh, uh, truths with with others, uh, reaching people. And he is a very busy pastor as i imagine all pastors are especially pastors of mega churches you know there's a lot of uh, public profiling in the sense of you know uh he has a, a, a program on tv and you know a lot of uh, interaction with the um, business or, or uh, people in, in business, not only in religious aspects. Well, he, you have to read how good it was this success. But but he has this this nagging uh, element that he is becoming shallow, right? Uh, and what he means is he is going to the word of God, and that's what he says. But he's not going to the word of God for himself. He's going to, to prepare for somebody else, right? So I, I go to the word of God to prepare a sermon for Sunday. And and I, I hear a lot of pastors uh, in, into that. And I myself sometimes discover myself into this when I, I need to prepare for something. And we all know that, you know, there is, is a very different uh, stance uh, when we go to, to God to prepare for something, right, for, for a good sermon. And when we are going with this freshness of I need to hear you. Or, what are you telling me, Lord, right? changes the thing so he has he calls that i'm becoming shallow and he says i'm a uh, an inch deep and a mile long (laughs) right he does a lot of things but he is is that and he is busy there's nothing wrong there's no judgment there's no moral failure there's nothing like that but this happens and in the midst of that he also has this this uh Thing that god is inviting him to do something that uh requires a lot of work that is uh, kind of setting a little bit of a of a, of a training process uh, theological training kind of offering uh, and he had this sense god is wanting me to do that but oh my gosh that, that that amount of work i don't have time i don't have time so that's the context and then the his uh, his illness his condition starts developing you know he's uh problem with his nervous system and he started losing he, he was a runner he says that he will run seven miles daily before getting into all the business right and suddenly there's experiences when he cannot run you know he had to stop his legs don't don't respond but they will pass right he will keep doing and then again and he will pass until it gets serious enough for him to start seeing uh, doctor and they discovered this. Uh, I, I cannot pronounce the, the name of the condition, but eventually he he loses movement in his legs, and eventually he loses movements in all his limbs. So he become a quadriplegic, and and he talks about this journey. And uh, you know, and let me connect this a little bit with faith walking content or, or language. We talk about meaning. You know, we make meaning of things. So. In a nutshell, he, he goes a long way asking the, why me? And all the things, right? And praying for healing. And there's a moment of the encounter with God in which there is a surrendering moment. And uh, and the meaning that he gives to is is, God is slowing me down. That Actually, this sickness is the grace of God taking me to a place uh, of... doing what he wanted me to do (laughs) that is the point you know he ends saying this thing uh now i have time to do all the work that was needed to do and that i didn't want to do before because i was so busy running to other things now i cannot do that so and there's a beautiful story that if you google pastor woodward you will find he has a lot i think it's called the mini bible college Right and is used in the context of mission work and, and very very cool. So that's his story, right? So this principle of I don't want to uh, comes uh, out of a context of I don't want to do what the law wants me to do. But you know, it is not an a firm frontal direct rebellion. I would say it is kind of an unconscious one. You know, I I I I'm okay doing what I'm doing. You, you get that. So it's a desire connected with God's purpose. It's not only I don't want entering a diet or, you know, it's not only about I don't want vanilla or chocolate. It is, it is a deep desire. What do I want to give myself to? What is one I want to pursue? You know, when he says, seek my face, we use the passage today in our meditation, is talking about pursuing something. I mean, probably the the, the best example is not a good one. I mean, it's a good one because of the example, but when people are obsessed with money, right, and they want to become rich, they seek money, right? That is the same meaning of the word, seek my face. The Lord invites us to to pursue him, you know? And so it's not only to look, but to put all of our being into seeking his face. What that means for you. I don't know what the Holy Spirit is whispering. What does it mean to pursue, to seek, to 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 long, to, to give our myself to to seek God's face. That's the desire of all desires. Right? The desire of the center of the heart. All other desires are impacted by it. So that's Pastor Woodward's story. Okay let me, let me come back, contextualize this as I see it in the, in the, in the Bible. So some of the I don't want two to moments in the Bible, okay? A couple of them. There are some. The first one are very famous. We all love the story and I don't know if, if secretly we're a key, kind of scared of the story of Jonah, right? <laughs> I don't know you, but I, I am scared I being scared because I, I see myself like Jonah running away from the Lord more times that I want to admit. You know, the story is really good. I'm just going to read the three first verses and and you know how it goes, right? It reads, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarsus. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarsus, away from the presence of the Lord. So three times tells us that he goes to Tarsus. (laughs) He goes away. Two times that he goes away from the presence of the Lord. And that's the story. And you know the story. Jonah didn't want to. He didn't want to. Right. And he has this amazing story, you know, with the big fish and, and, and then the great conversion of Nineveh and even ends with, with a Jonah that is, is left in the scriptures undone completely, right? <laughs> His heart is still a little bit confused, I, I would say. But that is one of the uh, I don't want to uh, moments in the Bible, right? Another one, uh, um, this is uh, another famous one, Judges, uh, this is Samson, another, this is like a Bible school for children, right? Jonah and Samson. But but I love the story. Uh, Samson didn't want to, but he was used to fulfill the purposes of the Lord. Right? And uh, you know the story too, uh, Called to be a, a judge uh, of, of the people of God, but with a very sketchy life, and you can do a lot of family of origin work too, and stuff like that. So Samson is a great example, and um, maybe addiction too. And like he gets with bad companies, you know. He he gets with a bad girlfriend, and all the, the things happen, and uh, and he uh, eventually loses this amazing blessing that God has given, that is his strength, right? And he is taken captive. And I read uh, only one passage, the last passage, very far from the story, uh, at the end of the story. is in Judges 16, chapter 16, verse 28. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I might be avenged, on the Philistines for my two eyes. He, had, he has lost his two eyes. And in this final moment, there's an alignment of, of Jonah's heart with God's purposes, right? Sadly, it takes place at the very end of the life of Jonah. Jonah. I mean, sorry, of Samson. Samson dies, but he says that he killed more Philistines in that very last moment than the rest of his life. I don't want to but God wants to, right? This is not super encouraging, but it is, it is a reality. You know, we, we get into these moments of, of uh, maturity. <laughs> Let's call it emotional, spiritual maturity. <laughs> I don't know. Another example, <clears throat> Jeremiah. This is a, a short passage. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it has always been interesting to me and probably is famous too, but Jeremiah 20, verses 8 and 9. For whenever I speak, I cry out, I shout violence and destruction. For the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach and reason all day long. If I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart as it were a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. You know, those famous verses of Jeremiah, tears, the prophet of tears, right? That, um, yeah, he is called to, to be a prophet in a very hard time. And the message that he's is giving is a very harsh message. And he doesn't want to. Welcome to the human being part of all of us. Human being kind. I don't want to give bad news. I don't want to do this, but uh, there is this uh, beautiful picture, and you know, there is a burning fire inside of me. When I don't say it, I cannot hold it. God wants. Finally, another. I don't want to moment. Probably the the, the most important. I think is the moment that maybe we all. Uh, followers of Christ have gone at least one time in our lives Christ himself right Luke 22, 41, 43 remember Christ is fully human and fully Son of God and there is a moment of struggle before the cross with the awareness of pain and suffering probably maybe the awareness of, of, of feeling the absence of the Lord uh, in his life there is a the struggle in Gethsemane And Luke 22, 41, 43, read. And he, Jesus, withdrew from them, the disciples, about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. You know, this is a, Perfect example. Obviously, it's Jesus' example. But, you know, in this example, we don't know how this struggle, how long it lasts. or or We know that it was deep and hard. We have the the, the sweating blood uh, point in, in, in some of the accounts of the gospel. But what we know here is that there was a part of Jesus that didn't want to. Right? And he was able to present that, that part to God. In it, it was not easy, it was a struggle. And he was able to surrender that to the Lord and actually embody this uh, principle of, I don't want to, but the Lord wants to. And you know, the Lord wants to, I love this passage, it comes and there appear. To him, an angel from heaven, strengthening him. Didn't mean that it took all the pain away and the suffering was less. It no, just strengthened him to, to face to face what, what he didn't want to face. This is sovereign, guys. This third principle is for people who are growing, right? It, it goes, uh, identity is, is we, we need to start there and to know that we are the beloved. Remember? Uh, that he calls us the beloved. That is the, the ontological voice of God for calling our name, our identity. And then we know that there is some purpose in us. There's some things that we, we do. And, and now we know that that there is also a part in us that don't want to. It's probably this is the, the real impact, the uh, part of the impact of, of the fall. The part in me who does not want to anyway here we have that's our context let me give you three ideas uh, around this principle i don't want to but the lord wants want to first god's purpose for us versus our purpose for ourselves you know that sounds very straightforward right Uh, you know just consider the, the journey the process And the tension of discovering God's purpose for us. What an adventure is this. You know, as as a, a younger believer, young believer, I remember that being, oh my gosh, the main question, what do you want me to do, Lord? What is my purpose? But it came from a very young self, if you want, in which I, I uh, even use that to make it uh, kind of a disconnected individual spirituality. And there's no judgment in that. But, but that is part of the journey and part of the tension. Right? And then over, over time, Keep, we keep growing. We keep living. I don't think that we can discover our purpose intellectually only, but we discover our purpose experientially. We have to live our lives to discover who we are fully and what God is God's purpose for us. And. Um, uh, it's, it's such a beautiful uh, journey for me. I mean, it really, I always say after salvation, the best gift of God is purpose. And, and then we want to know the purpose and we discover that there's a tension. Yeah. There are gifts that we have, but it doesn't mean that because of our gifts, that that's our purpose is, there's no formula that works. It doesn't mean that because I have these amazing gifts, this is going to be my purpose. We see that once and again, the weak, is chosen to lead the strong. So strength, that doesn't necessarily mean, (laughs) you know, that my my purpose is is to be that. It is uh, is a tension between gifts. And there's also uh, a tension uh, in discovering this in community and for myself. You know, I need other people speaking in my life. I don't want to spend a lot of time telling you, but consider that, that there is a journey and there is a tension in discovering God's purpose for us. And that's the first thing, then discovering if we want to do this purpose, and that's what this principle is about. I love uh, a couple quotes here. One is Francis of Assisi, famous quote. They, They say that this phrase was given as he was dying. Um, you know, he was incredibly, uh, admired, you know, and then somebody tells me that is the, at least the, the, the name of Francis or the figure of San Francis of, of, the picture of this saint with all the animals is the most reproduced, uh, icon ever, you know, because everybody likes Francis in the sense that he likes everybody too, but, lots of followers, and uh, his, his quote is, I have done what was mine to do. May Christ teach you what is yours. I love the, the simplicity, the humility, of, and the challenge that he lives as if he was dying, uh, in the sense of this is not about doing, we all have to do what Francis did. This is about intimacy with the Lord to discover what the Lord wants us to be. It's an amazing conversation, especially with young people. The other phrase has been helpful for me in later years. This is Richard Rohr. And he uh, says the following As we come to know our own soul gift more clearly, we almost always have to let go of certain, quote unquote, gifts so we can do our one or two things. Well and with integrity. I believe that if we can do one or two things wholeheartedly in our life, that's all God expects. There's wisdom in these words. The way that I see it is as, as I I'm also experiencing finding my own purpose. I discovered that I started my journey like a being, you know, a big light trying to to bring light as much as I can, doing everything that I can, you know, teaching, evangelizing, praying, doing everything. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. But as years keep going, I I feel that I am kind of condensing, becoming more like a laser, right? And I want to do one thing or two things in such a way that are like Francis's. That was mine to do. I love that picture. I believe this is a great conversation with people who are kind of in the second part of life too. You know, why are there one or two things that God has called you to do? There is some context and history to think about it. And in the midst of that, God's purpose versus our purpose. Right? Tension. See, that is the first thing to consider. Second idea. God's steadiness and our distraction right, and we think about our desires, right, God's, God's purpose will endure. Now, we tend to be distracted by our, des- our own desires, successes, failures, gifts, needs around us, our experiences, and some of them that we talked uh, a minute ago in the first idea. But um, yeah, we are very distracted beings. I don't know if that happens to you. I am very distractible. Seasons of life, Uh, success is a very good, distracting thing. And then failure too. Oh my gosh. I I lose sight of purpose because I'm good at it or because I'm bad at it. So thinking that God's purpose is going to endure, no matter my distraction, it's a good centering idea allows me to be less emotionally attached with my distractions. So if I say no to this invitation and is God's will for me to follow, don't worry, it will come back. Very helpful at some point, right? Because I was so scared to say no because I will miss the train, the bus, whatever it is, right? Uh, knowing that God is the one who steadily will fulfill his purpose. I I love uh, David saying, you will fulfill your purpose in me. What a sovereign, peaceful thought. God will fulfill his purpose in me. So then in the midst of these desires, okay, we got to zooming into desires. Consider the powerful influence of desires. Right. They propel us into alignment with God or misalignment with God. So you have a psalm that talks about the desire of your heart and how God will give the desire of your heart. And then you, you have, I think it's James talking that desires, you know, are evil desires that lure us into a darker road, <laughs> right? So... Desires by itself, they are not bad. We were created to have desire, given some level of freedom, but misaligned, uh, misaligned desires become very unhelpful in this spiritual journey. Right? This is a phrase uh, that uh, is uh, alluded to Henry now. I can't, couldn't find it, so I'm not sure. But it says, nothing competes with the love of Christ more than the service of Christ, and that is a very interesting distraction. We see Christ busy, busy, busy in his three years of ministry, right? But we see that he did not focus his destiny, his his steps, because of service only. He didn't heal all those who were sick. He didn't feed all who were hungry, right? You you know that better than I do we see that there is something deeper, a deeper desire inside of Christ move him to this place in the Scripture when he, he turned his face towards Jerusalem. Right? There was a lot of ministry all over the rest for, for all the year, years to come for, for Jesus, right? But he knew that he had one purpose that was beyond service or the service as we understand this other phrase is uh, Brian Gowan he's a friend friend of mine I haven't seen him in a few years but uh, he's a, a, now a chaplain in, in Methodist Hospital and he used to tell me this a lot I don't know who he, where he get this from but he used to tell me we must not confound our devotion to the Lord of the work with our devotion to the work of the Lord so you see it's, it's just a, a subtle change you know we can get lost in the work of the lord and miss the lord of the work that's burnout many pastors many people in ministry sometimes face that okay final final uh, point god's alignment versus our own resistance nobody nobody like to be taking uh to, to his desire not to be fulfilled right nobody <laughs> we want what we want and when we don't get what we want we resist that's all the judgment is the way that it is we resist god's alignment it's a struggle and yet we have to remember that this is a struggle that this is a spiritual life Jesus has to learn obedience and he did it uh, through suffering the love of God is never at stake but there is a struggle Jacob is an example of a struggle with the Lord and um, yeah the resistance of God. So what do we do? Alignment takes place as God makes us face our fears, our weakness, and our misaligned desires. Only then, freedom comes, and that freedom comes through surrendering. When we are able to surrender, the only thing that God has given us completely, our will. Not my will, but yours be done, Lord. That is the strongest, most powerful, I believe, moment in our spiritual journey. We learn that surrender. I cry out to God Most High, to God who fulfills His purpose for me. That's David in Psalm 57. And what we know is that freedom and joy is found in this alignment with God. You know, you could see, uh, one of the many ways to see it, but um, Jesus' death and resurrection, in a way, is this surrendering, complete surrendering of everything, every will, every desire, and then the resurrection in which God (coughs) brings up uh, a resurrected desire, a resurrected identity, a resurrected self, so I don't want to go through this process, but God wants to. And God wants to because he's God <laughs> and it's, it's his will. And I have to trust that his will is God. It is it's, it's good and is loving and is best for me. I remember, I finished with this story very briefly. I remember when I started uh, walking with, with Christ and have all these ideas, and the beginning of my own prayers were very conditioned, and very, very, very real, very uh, sincere, but also conditioned. Uh, I I like this, I like that, I would like this, you know. And I, I remember, like, if God will be painting my room, right, and and I would say, okay, thank you for making giving me this new room, Lord. I love that you give me this. Okay, you're gonna paint this room red, right? Because red is my color, right? And are you sure that you're going to paint this room red? And I will say, Jesus didn't respond. You know, he will be silent until he will start painting. And I will start seeing that he's painting the room blue, not red. And then I say, Lord, hey, hold on for a minute. This is wrong. Something is wrong. You're doing blue. You you, you didn't hear me well. I know myself, right? What I like, my desire is red and like he won't say anything he will continue silently painting I try to argue with him I try to maybe yell at him I try to cry nothing changes he's painting blue I don't have anything to do but to sit and I don't know maybe cry because of my the will of God is not good for me or whatever it is right he's just painting in blue until I start seeing a little bit of what he does and then I start seeing blue And i start noticing blue and I start changing and I can say to the Lord, Lord, I never knew that blue was so beautiful. So beautiful. In a way, I could say that I don't know what I want, but I can trust that he knows. So let me stop right here and... Invite your comments. I don't want to, but God wants to. How is that for you?
2: It resonates with me. Um, And
0: I'll try to be really quick. Many years ago, the Bishop, our Bishop asked me if I would chair a committee um, and, you know, when the bishop asks a question, it's not really a question. Of course I will sh- chair that committee. But it wasn't a committee that I had any interest in, in chairing um, at all. And yet in, in doing it, um, and, and I did it for about 12 years, so it wasn't like just a, a flash in the pan sort of thing. It lasted a long time. I developed a passion for the work I was doing because it was the right work. Well, all of a sudden, I'm finding myself asked by quite a few people to um, deal with some issues of racial reconciliation and teaching some classes and and leading a book study. And it's not it's not a warm fuzzy. It's something I know that's important. it's It's a subject that needs to be addressed. But I'm living in this community that is incredibly conservative. And I think to myself, what am I going to say here? I mean, there's one of my students in the dorm just hung a Confederate flag in his room. How am I going to, you know, what what could God possibly want me to do here? But lo and behold, this request comes from a friend of mine in New Jersey to co-facilitate this book study with her because God has laid it on her heart to deal with this issue. And she knew I was dealing with it too. And I'm thinking... Okay, this is not a coincidence. This is coming because it's something that I need to do. And looking back at the the passion and joy that I had from that previous committee when I gave into it and did it, I'm thinking that that's going to happen here too. And I'm I'm grateful for that. I'm I'm scared, um honestly, but um I'm I'm really grateful for this opportunity and I, I see God's hand in it. So, yeah, thank you.
1: Thank you, Judy. It was a great example. <laughs>
0: it, it certainly wasn't anything I wanted.
3: <laughs> I want to share. I, I'm almost laughing through this um, meditation because I just shared with Trish in the small group that to make it short, like Judy said, to try to make it short, is to um, to accept the class that I know is going to be a little harder for me. But I, I didn't want to do it, but just before meditation, I started saying, God is up to something. He's doing something. Burnell, just stop. Just stop and let God handle it. And so the decision um, really... Um, was i'm gonna end up taking the harder class and i just shared with trish but i know god is up to something and so this this meditation just almost had me get it because i'm resting i'm 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 gonna rest in god and, and um and like you you bringing out about the missed desires i didn't know that could be missed desires but um i'm some are starting to pop up um, because of uh, my busyness, I'm saying it like that, and it was pointed out to me probably 10-something years ago. God started pointing it out um, um, to me, but at the same time, it's like, but what do I do about it? And, and then when you brought up about the illustration about God painting the room, but you want the, you want the color red, but then you stop and start seeing the blue, the beautifulness of the blue, you start resting, let God continue to paint, that's what I know I'm I'm going to do. I know I'm going to do that because I can be looking one way and he's trying to lead me this way for my good, for my better man, for his purpose. (laughs) Amen.
1: Amen. Surrendering uh, it's a good practice uh, we don't like it <laughs> we always I always kick and scream but uh, God is beyond that now and then I have another good friend who always tells me Lord I will bend bend me don't break me you know it's it's uh, in a sense um uh,
4: Chris. I think about that as Brenna you know, was well, it's both due to Sam sharing. Is that uh, he is the God of our discomfort? I think always. I don't know. We all, we'll think of you know great and mighty things we want to do for God, but they're all, they all fit within the little box of things that I know I can do, and but He's always the God of growth. And he wants us to venture out into what he sees. Because um, my vision is so limited. And it's scary to just surrender and to be vulnerable until we remember how good and loving and kind he is. And he wants to strengthen us with his power, not limit us to just things that we know we can do. Um, because it's it's in that uncertainty that we know we have to lean into Him, we have to lean into Him for His power and just let it go, let Him do what He's going to do. So I just I was thinking about that. God, He's the God of my discomfort.
1: <laughs> I love that. Trish. I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna uh, quote you: "The Lord of my discomfort, indeed, yes." and my comfort but also my discomfort it's so easy sometimes to go to the oh this is not God because it's not there's no comfort and, you know we can be at peace in a very discomfort <laughs> uh, uncomfortable place uh, I love that yeah uh, thank you for sharing Sul do you have something that you would like to to add
3: uh, just
2: that um, you know I I think it's important for us, I know it's important for me to come to terms with um, the reality of my rebellion, Um, because I think, you know, i think, well, you know, I turned to the Lord, I gave my life to Him, and um, so I, you know, why do I desire anything but His way, but the reality is there's still rebellion there. And uh, you know, I think sometimes that's scary um, to to see that, and um, you know, I think our enemy tries to then beat us up over that. And I just think um, I I've been learning in recent years to just come to terms with that and uh, realize that's that's part of this journey that that I need to have before the Lord. And that, that fits into all the, no, I really don't want to. But but the new life he's given me does want to. So it's just uh, yeah. leaning into that.
1: Yeah, so you put it so well. I, I think that's very well put. So yes, I don't want to. And sometimes that prayer is more productive if i could say than the prayer that is just not addressing the real deal right i don't want to i don't want to lord you know that i don't want to and the self that you are producing immediately the true self christ in me wants to would you help me here and that changes completely right so i don't have to to be broken right and, and it's not about fear but uh, uh the essence the desire that is the core of my desires is i i want to want to <laughs> let's put it that way right i know that i know that i know that i want to want to but jesus help me get, get to that place and when you do that when you get to the face, the, uh, the, the, the nature of, 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 of our rebellion of your rebellion I believe that there is really formation takes place you know and yeah, we don't like it thank you thank you all such a great uh, conversation yeah, uh, acknowledge that we are not alone in our, we don't want to but acknowledge also that uh, we are not alone in the learning to, to face that with the Lord let me read our blessing and I'll let you go. the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace.
0: I'm gonna look twice at you Until I see the Christ in you Till I'm looking through the eyes of love
2: I'm looking through the eyes